Hey guys, and welcome to the Consume Weekly Podcast. You are currently listening to the Camouflage series. This is Camouflage Week 2, Camouflage Speech. Thanks for being with us, and hope you enjoy. So, let me ask. Hands up, hands up. Who in here gossips? At all, ever. That's me too. I, I do, I gossip. I'm trying, I'm working on it. But let me ask you guys this. Let me, guys, let me ask you guys this. How many people know gossip's wrong? Right? So. Dumb. If we know gossiping is wrong, why do we do it? Okay, I agree with that one. What do you think, man? What's his name? Elias. Elias, you're Flix, but okay, okay, makes sense now. What do you think? Why do we? Uh, <laughs> why do we gossip? These guys jam together. I guess they rock. So. <laughs> yeah. Why do we gossip if we know it's wrong? What do you think? I like that. I like that. What do you think, Job? Right? That. You know what my hey? No, but that's hey. You know what my mom would say? You know what my mom would say? And we'd catch her every time. But this is what she would do to try to justify her gossiping. And see, this is kind of gossiping, but she wouldn't care because I'm just joking. But it's really what she did. She would go, "I'm not being ugly. I'm just sharing." I was like, come on. So it wasn't even like something bad, but it was like some information about the person. I'm like, dude, that's gossip. Don't do it. I, told, I just said that. I just said that. But she would be, she would be fine with that. Yes. No. All right. But let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys. Seriously, bring it back. If we know it's wrong and we do it, How many of us feel bad? Like, I mean, not just the gossip, but like we do something and we're like, man, why did I do that? Anybody question themselves why they did something after they did it? Anybody? Okay. You know why? Hey, you know what Paul said? Hey, listen, listen, listen. Paul, one of the greatest evangelists in the Bible, and I think one of the greatest evangelists of evangelists of all time, wrestle, wrestle with the same thing. Next slide, please. Next slide. In Romans 7, 7 14 through 25, this is, what, this is what Paul says. Listen, it's very, very good. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Anybody that's following Christ knows that. Like, I want to follow Christ, but I do this. I don't want to do it, but I do it. It's the wrestle of the flesh. We wrestle with the flesh with that. But keep listening. And if I do what I do not, do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good. Anybody want to do the right thing, but sometimes don't? Exactly. Sorry. Uh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I, want, I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin in, sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. 
What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. It is. It is. Because, no, they used, to use, they used to use, I think, the book of Romans at Harvard because Paul presented such a great case for the gospel that they would use it. Um, but think about that. Like, we're constantly warring, right? We have three things that we constantly war with. Next. The war within. Our enemies. Anybody know the first one? Is the flesh. The flesh we wrestle with, that's our inner desires. That's our sinful desires. Huh? I know. I'm working on it. Wait, me and Isaac are getting this tuned in. But it's the flesh. Our enemies are, that's sorry, the first feeling. I forgot we have feelings. I'm super excited. Our feelings are, our enemies are the flesh, the world, and Satan. Exactly. So, the first one we're going to look at, guys, is the flesh. Okay. Let me ask you guys, because I kind of already told you, but let me ask you guys. What do you think the flesh is? Dave, what do you think the flesh is? Me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Neither. What do you think the flesh is? Okay. No, that's, that's a good answer. What do you think, Craig? Yeah. I think the flesh is like all things that we fight, all the urges that we have that we constantly fight against. It's not necessarily our flesh, but the things of us that yeah, we fight. Of us. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? That's exactly right. Guys, the flesh is our own sinful desires. We, if you hear Paul like reading in Romans, like, I do what I don't want to do, and what I hate, I do. But if I do what I hate, and blah, 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 I agree the law is good. And it's showing us all these things. Like, if you read that, Paul is wrestling, like, constantly. And it's like, when you get up in the morning, Christ said we have to die to ourselves. Like, get up and die to yourself. Like, that's not fun. Because we're constantly at war with those three things. The flesh, the world, and Satan. Right? So our flesh is our own desires. We have to keep them in check. Hey, I want to do this, but is this in right with God? Because if we submit to God's will, the flesh will die. It's like, I love this saying. I heard the pastor from Hickman say it. You have two pit bulls, right? A white and a black pit bull. Listen, it doesn't, okay, it doesn't matter. One, a, one is your flesh and one is holiness or your Christian walk. You're either going to feed one or you're going to feed the other. Now let me ask you guys. When you feed one, what's it going to do? Grow, right? So, what's the other one going to do if you don't feed it? It's going to starve, right? Starve and die. So, if you're feeding your holiness, your flesh is dying. You're in your word. You're praying. You're submitting to God's will. You're being a light for Him. You're feeding that pit bull. And it's going to devour that flesh. But if you allow your flesh for one second and feed it at all, it's going to grow. and it's going to, So it's a war. Your whole life is going to be a war, guys. It's going to be hard times, struggles, trouble. But God's giving you strength through it. So, that's going to be our constant wrestling throughout our lives. And it's, that's just the truth, but God gives us power, which is awesome. I love it. I love it. So, flesh is our own sinful desires. Now, let me ask you guys. How many people have heard that you know are just living their life up as far as the world's concerned? And I'm going to go party every weekend, and I'm going to go do this, or let's go on a lighter scale. Uh, I don't like going to church. I'm a Christian, but I'm an, I just would rather not go to church because it says don't forsake the fellowship in the Bible, which is church. Um, 
Let me ask you guys this. How many people are like, well, if, I, if God didn't want me this way, He wouldn't have made me this way. How many people have heard God made me this way? God, I sin because God made me this way. I do what I do because God made me this way. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. But if you've heard it, if you haven't, you will. Listen to what James 2, 12 through 16 says next. I love this because it counters, it counters it and it's like, boom, stop. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation while we're tempted with anything of our flesh, anything of the world, anything from Satan. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which is the Lord, which with the Lord promised to him, to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So that eliminates the fact of God made me do it. And even the fact, listen, because a lot of people say the devil made me do it. You heard that saying. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away and tempted by his, whose? Again? Own desires and enticed. Now listen, because this is what we're going to do with it comes in the pit bull. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, that dog brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Now let me ask you guys this. Why do you think, I mean, it's got all this verse, but then this last verse. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It's kind of weird to put it at the end. What do you think, Mila? Why? Is that in the very end? Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Why do you think that's there? <laughs> yeah, listen. All right. Cody, what do you think? Why do you think it's there? Don't be deceived, my brethren. Right, but like, why would it say that? Versus like, it could have put it anywhere in here, but why would it put it there? You know, I think it's therefore is because we ourselves can be like, think it's the devil or man, God's allowing this, this temptation. But we're tempted by our own lust. I love it because it says, don't be deceived. Don't think that it's God. Don't think that it's Satan. Don't think that it's the world that's tempting you always. But it's you because you're evil. There's no good inside, we read in Romans. There's no good that dwells within me. Without Christ, we are wicked and follow our own desires. So I love that. Don't be deceived. So, the second is, what is the world? What do you guys think the world is? Anybody? Dirt. Dirt. What, but when you say, when the, the world puts in your life... Okay. I was like, all of them, so we didn't know what the world has to offer. Like, love is there. Like, Okay, okay, but what is the world? When it says that, Josh, what do you think? It's like, uh, well, kids and men's, uh, society and the customs that society presents. Okay. Sam, what do you think? Society and the media. Okay. Bree, what do you think? What's the world? Brenda, what do you think the world is? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? What's the world? I'd like to get everybody's opinion. I think the world is just, I mean, they have a good definition of it. I mean, I think it's just more along the lines of, of everything that, you know, I guess at this point, it's not of uh, God. Uh, it's not of God. Okay. Well, let's look at what the Bible has to say about what the world is. The world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the big one for our culture, pride. Are you making it bleaker? Is that what it did? <laughs> oh, I thought you made it. I thought you, like, because we were trying to figure it out because it was messing up, so I didn't know if it was doing that. But the pride of life. We are all so prideful. We want to be our way. 
will want us to make us look good. The root of all sin is pride. Because what is, what is sin? Sin is what we want. It serves. We want to be served. Pride. Our wants. Our needs. So, to back that up, we're going to look in 1 John 2, 15-17. Travis, you want to read that for us, bud? Go for it. Stop. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, let me ask you guys. If we're doing what the world wants, that doesn't mean walking a perfect walk. I'm talking about, you know that, hey, you claim to be a Christian, but you're going to go walk how you want. This tells us God's not with us. God's not in us. The love of the Father is not in him. For all, go ahead, keep going, Travis. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So, like we were talking about last week, we don't serve God because it's some legalistic thing, because we can't earn it. We can't earn the gift of Christ. Because if we could, if we could, it wouldn't be a gift. Right? But how do we treat, how do we treat the person, how do we treat God that He gives the gift? Like really, do we, do we live for God? Or, or do we just kind of throw it out the window? Josh, come up here. Pat Josh. Anybody ashamed? <clears throat> and... Hmm, let me think. Let me think here. Adam, come here. Alright guys, hey, I want you guys to see this, because this is, this is on a small scale, really what Christ did. Super small scale. Take it, no, take it. And I don't want it back. But if I did that for you guys, how would you treat me? You wouldn't treat me, you wouldn't spit in my face, you wouldn't cuss behind my back, right? You wouldn't live and gossip or throw anything against me, right? So how do we live for Christ? I mean, we're going to make mistakes. But Christ gave us everything. And how do we live? How do we take that gift? If you did, now let me ask you, I gave you that. Now if you did everything in the world, I already gave you that. You can't earn that, right? That's exactly what Christ did. So if you make mistakes, but you're living for, you're living for Christ, you know what I mean? You're accepting that gift. You're taking that gift. You know, and you're cherishing that gift because we're either going to love God or we're going to hate God. So you guys can sit back down. But that, that no, take it. No, be serious. Because I want my, the point, and maybe you'll think of it later on and be able to pass it on. So that's what Christ did for us, guys. He gave us everything and didn't want... We can't earn it. But how do we treat that gift? We give, he gave us everything. Do we treat it like it's nothing? So, let me ask you guys. The lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. There's a couple I can think of. Pornography. Big, big thing with guys. Pornography is huge. Girls, the only thing I can think of is girls want to look like somebody else. They want to have the perfect body or they want to look like somebody else. I mean, I lust because I want to look just like that person. Oh my gosh. You know, we think lust is like a sexual thing or whatever, always, but it's not always a sexual thing. It's like lust, I want that. Everything is going to take it from me. I want it, I want it, which can be coveting and envy as well. So, this is the lie next, that lust sells. Letting us satisfy temptation. Letting us satisfy temptation. Whoops. That's all right. 
Because, let me ask you guys, why would this be a lie? Why would this be a lie? I love this. God gave me this, and it's like, I'm stoked on it. I love it. Exactly. But what does it do instead of satisfy? More. It lies. It wants more. And what does it want even more than more? It wants a stronger more. I've heard I've never smoked drugs, anything like that. But I've heard, and anybody that's done drugs says nothing like the first high. There's nothing like the first high. You're going to crave it, you're going to get more, but there's nothing like the first time. But the lie every time is the more you take, it's going to feel good. But the first time is always the best. That's what lust tells us. Lust says if we do this, it's going to satisfy. It's going to satisfy that craving of our desire. But anybody that's lusted over anything, anybody that's wanted anything, anybody that's, i got to have that. Say it's a car. Say it's something. I don't know. You guys know what it is. You guys know for your own lives. But you get that, and then what happens? You're not satisfied. Well, now this isn't happening, or that's not happening. You're not satisfied. This is the lie that lust sells. It lets us think that it satisfies our temptation. Our third and final enemy is Satan. But who is Satan? Satan is a lion, a liar, and the accuser. See, the funny thing is about Satan he comes and whispers in your ear. He comes and whispers in your ear, Hey, do it. Do it. Do this. Buy this. Want this. Desire this. But what happens when you get it? And you feel bad, right? What's Satan doing? He jumps on the other side and is like, You did that. Right? Now, the first part of this next verse, I couldn't even put it on the slide because it's so big. But... The first part is an epic battle scene, and it's in Revelation. So go ahead. Oh, just kidding. My, nope. Oh, I guess go back. Oh, there. Oh, on. Oh, oh, there. All right. So Revelations. Yes. Is that actually what the Bible says? The lion, the lion. Yeah. Sorry, you had it. Go, go back up. Go ahead. Sorry, Skip. Go up. Go up. One more. Oh, down. First, we're gonna look at Satan the lion. Satan the lion. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Bud, you guys better be on your game, because Satan doesn't have to mess with non-Christians. Satan doesn't have to do very much for non-believers. Man, they're already in his grasp. They're bonded in sin. He don't have to do anything. But believers, strong believers in Christ... John MacArthur, a great, if you guys ever heard of the MacArthur Study Bible, he's awesome. Sick. He went to a mental hospital, right? Went to a hospital, was going in to pray for this lady. The lady goes, like starts attacking him, saying, he's praying for me, he's praying for me, he's praying for me. Demon possessed, dude. You think Satan had, because he impacts a lot of people. He impacts Lots of people. Satan don't have to mess with anybody. You know, they're already, I mean, somebody who's taking drugs, who's on coke, they're destroying their life. What does Satan have to do? They're already hooked. He didn't have to do anything. Be watchful. Be watchful, guys. Be on guard. Get your Bible memorized. I mean, lit, read some scripture. Do it. Next, we're going to look at Satan the liar. John 8.44 says... Lindsay, you want to read it for us? You belong to your father, the devil, who you are earth, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Remember that, guys, when you're being tempted. Remember that when you're you know you shouldn't be doing something. And Satan's saying, do it. That's not going to be bad. Because a lot of the time, Satan comes to me and he's like, there's not going to be a bad result. But the problem is we focus on here and now. But the problem is we don't think about the consequences. Think about all the girls that got pregnant at like 19, 16, whatever. They didn't think about being pregnant. They thought about here and now. You think, I mean, Satan loves to get us in the spot where we just think about here and now. Where we don't think about what could happen or what God wants. Well, remember when he comes out, he is the lies, the father of lies. 
Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie and a twist of the truth. In the garden, he twisted the truth. He's going to twist the truth all the time. When you know what God's Word says, don't justify it in your mind. Don't say, well, I could do it, and maybe that'll be okay. Don't do that. Know that Satan. I'm going to give you guys a scripture at the end to quote, because the more scripture you quote at Satan, he's going to flee. And last, we're going to look at the accuser. Revelation 12, verses 1 through 17. I'll try to read this with uh, pizzazz. Here we go. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and, and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to, prepare, to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb. We have victory by the blood of the Lamb, guys. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink to death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman has given, was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she, may, she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken, taken care of for a time, times and a half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from the mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep the commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Satan hates you guys. Satan hates you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't want to give you anything. He wants to trick you. He wants you to lie. He wants you to steal. He wants you to tempt you. He wants you to fall to your flesh. He hates you. He hates you guys. It's true. Anybody of God he hates. He, you are either a follower of God or a follower of Satan. You're, there's nowhere in the middle. There's no such thing as a stagnant Christian. Because if you're like, yeah, I'm just, I've come stagnant, I'm... Or a neutral, sorry, neutral Christian. Think about somebody who's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm doing this. Because you're either feeding one dog or the other. Because if you're not feeding one, you're feeding the other. Because what's happening, say your holiness dog is getting just yoked out. You've been feeding him, you've been reading your Bible, you've been praying. Then all of a sudden, you're not, you're not feeding him. You're not feeding him, you're not reading. What's happening? What's he doing? He's getting weaker. He's getting angry. Well, we get angry, but he's getting weaker. He's getting smaller. That other dog, even though we're not, you know, maybe committing sins of the world, if this, we know that our flesh is, our flesh is already a, a yoked out dog, pretty, pretty big. And if we're not following Christ, that dog gets weaker and weaker and weaker. I mean, I fell away from Christ for a year where I was doing my own thing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to please God, but then I was living a hypocritical life. You know, and it sucks because then it's like I know what I should be doing, and I'm still disobeying God. Like that's scary. 
Um, but the coolest thing about all these, all these things, that Jesus defeated every one. He defeated the flesh, the world, and Satan. Next slide, please. The first thing we're going to look at is when Jesus overcomes the flesh. Sarah, would you like to read this for us? So I used to think, oh, Jesus doesn't know temptation. Jesus, I mean, yeah, he suffered, but how could he know my temptation? Look at, look at this as, I'm talking about like, he's about to go to the cross. This is the night before he's going to the cross, right? He's praying, but he submits to God. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Like, such anguish. He sweat blood. I looked it up, if he really sweat blood. And there's actually a disease. Or it's not a disease, it's something that can happen. This is the article I took off of Christian, ChristianAnswers.net. It says, although this medical condition is relatively rare, according to Dr. Frederick Zugaby, chief medical examiner of Rockland County, New York, it is well known, and there have been many cases of it. The clinical term is... Hematohydrosis. Around the sweat glands, there are multiple blood vessels that form like a net. Under the pressure of the great stress, the vessels constrict. Then as the anxiety passes, the blood vessels dilate to the point of rupture. The blood goes, through the goes into the sweat glands. As the sweat glands are producing a lot of sweat, it pushes the blood to the surface, coming out as droplets of blood mixed with sweat. You better believe it's painful. But I'm talking, I mean, you think that we are tempted. Christ, I mean, look, you know if you don't follow Christ, if you haven't followed Him perfectly, or if, I mean, we never follow Him perfectly, but you know, man, maybe I've been dealing with sin, but I'm just liking the live, I, I like living in it, or I don't want to deal with it, I don't want to get it done. But just how makes God so awesome? He's very sweating blood. He knows that people that call Him and claim Him are going to deny him. Judas, he knows Judas is going to deny him with a kiss. He knows that. Yes. He knows that. But what does he say? He says, he asks God, he says, God, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. If there's any other way. But not my will, your will. He crushed temptation. That's how strong our God is. I love it. Our God is so strong. Next slide. Jesus states He overcomes the world. Want to read it for us? Boom. Christ has overcome the world. He says we're going to have trouble. In the world, you have tribulation. Does he, does he, let me ask you guys. Does he say you may have trouble? Does he say you may? So what does that mean? What does that look like? What do you think, Don? What does that look like? If he doesn't say may, you may have trouble. What do you, what do you think when it says you have tribulation? So, okay. Like, in the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. So he didn't say may. So what does that look like for us? It would look like... 100% guarantee we're going to have trouble, right? This life isn't easy. It's gonna, we're going to have tribulation. Tribulation isn't fun. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Next. Finally, Christ defeats Satan. All right. Sam, read it for us. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared... See, guys, we don't have to fear death. 
shared in their humanity. It's like, that's so cool. Like, I was reading and preparing, and it was like, you always hear God shared, and God knows what we go through. God understands. But I never read it. When I read it, it's like, He shared in their humanity, so that by His death, He might break the power of Him who holds death. So you've heard God breaking and defeating death. There you go. And He defeats Satan. And free those who all their life was held in slavery. But that's not where... Sorry. Looking, keep going. Hebrews 2, 16-18. through But listen to this. This is a cool part, guys. Whatever you're going through. I don't know if you're going through bad or good or whatever. But listen. For surely it's not His angels He helps. He doesn't help His angels. But Abraham's descendants. That's us. For this reason He had to be made like them. Fully human in every way. In order that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that He might make atonement for the sins of the people, because He Himself suffered when He was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So what does that show us when we're being tempted? Cody, what do you think? What does it show us, like, if we're being tempted, what do you think? What do you think this is saying to us? Alyssa, what do you think? I haven't called on you on it. It's okay if you're wrong. You guys don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to give you a bunny hat. I might. I'll even wear it. I'll even wear it and let you take a picture of me if that'll make you feel better. So, um, no, but the cool thing about this, guys, is that when we're suffering helps us who are being tempted. When you're being tempted and you feel like you can't bear it, know that Christ is right there. Quote scripture, man. I'm telling you. You want to defeat Satan every time, which we're going to go over in a minute? Quote scripture. Satan has to leave when he quotes. So, let's do some math. Wait, go up. I'll just leave it there. Let's do some math, guys. Here we go. You guys should be able to solve this because of what we've been learning. And if you've been listening, hopefully at all, you'll be able to get this. Let me ask you guys this. If Jesus defeated the flesh, the world, and Satan, and we have Jesus, that's A, B is, and we have Jesus living inside of us if He is our Savior. So if He's our Savior and He's living inside us, what does that mean C equals? Anybody else? Anybody else? Exactly. We can defeat Christ. Or we can defeat Christ. We can defeat the flesh, the world, and Satan. So, let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys. Like, if we have the power to defeat Satan, what some steps that we can take to be able to defeat him? Just Submit, okay. Read your Bible. That's good. Pray, okay. Adam, what do you think? What can we do to have this victory? Worship, okay. Josh, what do you think? This Josh. What do you think we can do to have that victory? Those are great answers. Now, how many of us do it? How many of us read our Bible, pray, and worship? Would you, okay, if, you, if your number one focus is God, a lot of the times in your life, like, obviously you're going to fall, but if, that's what, if you know that's like the desire of your heart, not in a prideful way, but you want to serve God, you know that. You don't have to raise your hand because obviously we all need to grow in that. All of us. All of us, all of us, all of us. But first, let me, go to, let me ask you, football players, when you go out on the field, what do you put on? What do you put on? No. Physically. Like literally material. What do you put on? Clothes. Clothes. You put, huh? 
Okay, but that you won't get messed up. What do you put on? Pads, right? Pads. Girl, what, girls, what do you put on to hide the inner beauty? Makeup. The armor of women. <laughs> I know, I just try to be funny, but it doesn't work always. Alright, no, no, no. To go to battle, to go to battle with Satan, we need armor. We need armor. Go for it. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says, this is what we're going to be doing on the shields, guys, too, for Halloween. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world. Like, remember, guys, every day is a spiritual battle. You guys, everything is against us, but God is for us. So, God is for us who can be against us, Romans 8.31. And, the, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish I don't know if you guys can read that. It says all. All arrows of Satan. That means you never, ever, ever again have to lose a battle. If you submit to God, pull up your shield of faith. You won't lose. Because it's not you. All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. See the sword? Guys, all this up to this point has been defensive. It's been the breastplate, the helmet, the shield. Our sword is God's Word. Our sword is God's Word. Okay? And pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for everybody in this room, guys. I mean, literally, when you guys don't know what to pray... Say, man, I don't know what he's going through. Please, Lord, can you help him? Give him strength. Help me to be a better brother or a better sister to him. Or him or her. I, Lord, I don't know what they're going through. They look like they've been having a rough day. Go and comfort them. I mean, we've been talking about not boasting, not bragging. Did anybody compliment anybody this week? By any chance? Yes, like our challenge? Our challenge for last week? Yes. Did anybody boast in God rather than themselves this week? Ooh. You weren't here last week, so instead of instead of being like, "Hey, guess what I did?" Be like, "Man, that was cool. Thank you, God, for allowing me to do that." Ouch! Because it's harder to do the second one because we have to get around our pride, guys. We have to get around our pride. All right, guys. But here are the three strategies. Keep going. Next one. This is our strategies, guys. Don't fight. Submit to God. James four seven. James 4.7 says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know every time that I've been able to beat a battle of Satan is because this he says yes to flee. But the word here, submit to God, because let me, if you fight against Satan, you're going to lose. I want you guys to know that. You will lose. You will lose. Everyone in this room, nobody's strong enough to beat Satan. So when it says fight Satan, don't you fight Satan. Don't you fight Satan. Colton Reed, don't fight Satan. Don't fight Satan. Because you will lose. Submit. Give up. Tell God you can't win. Say, God, I can't beat Satan. And then say, but you can, God. Get me through this. Say, and keep quoting the scripture. I want you guys to all write this scripture down if it's not on your paper already. James 4 7. Because in any way that Satan comes to attack you, quote this verse at him. I guarantee you he's going to be attacking me this week because I'm telling you guys how to defeat him. Because he hates me. He hates that you guys are here. He hates that we're growing. I'm stoked that we're all here. I am stoked that every one of you are here, that you guys have come back. I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> 
I'm stoked that you guys want to be a group together, that you guys want to grow. That makes me so happy. But Satan hates it. So we've got to band together. We've got to be praying for each other, guys. Satan's going to attack each and every one of us in different ways. He's going to make us angry at somebody else in this room because they did something. or He's going to try to destroy because a house divided can't stand. There you go. The second second point, don't fight, submit to God, is another same thing. Sorry. What was the verse you write it down? You missed it. James 4, 7. Oh, so you didn't say it too. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says, somebody want to grab a Bible and read that or grab their phone and read it? Boom. Go for it. No, I hope it's not that. Oh God! You have the NIV. Okay. All right. Listen. Listen to this. Listen. Go ahead. Matthew four, verses one through eleven. Go ahead. Okay, guys. I have a question. Go ahead. Did Satan just quote scripture Jesus? Yeah, he twisted it. You see? I, I, I don't know if yeah. he said what actually he said in the Bible. But no, 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 but he twisted it in the garden. He tw- I, I, I don't have the verses for you, but he twists what God says. That's, huh? I don't know. Maybe. Go for it if you want. Um, but he twists. He twists God's word. But what does Jesus do every time he comes? What, what does Jesus do every time that Satan comes at him? He didn't like try to prove that he was better, try to be better. He just said, I have to, because I've got it. That's good, but what Shelby said is, is right on. He quoted scripture. He was ready, right? It didn't take him a second. He, it was like, boom. It's also written, don't tempt God. It's also written, man doesn't live on the bread alone. It is written, away from me, Satan, get out of here. Because I'm going to serve God, because God is the what deserves save, uh, serving. You see? That's why Scripture is very, very important. Guys, get that on board. Get that very, very on board. Okay? And finally, I don't know why I have all these. <laughs> I was supposed to, oh, because I copied and pasted. The second one was supposed to be memorize Scripture, and then this one's supposed to be prayer. Because if our minds are on God constantly... then what's good will stay there. Now let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. Like, how many of you said I'm not going to do something? And then you do it anyways. Or or you're like, I'm not going to do it. And you really think that. Are you really trying not to? Now let me ask you guys this. Okay? Watch this. Watch. Look. Metaphor. My sweatshirt. Right? Metaphor is my sweatshirt. I'm not going to do this. Look. else on to replace it, right? So that means it can come back. If that makes sense with our thoughts, don't just put those thoughts out of your mind because they can come back. Replace them with something. Put on a different sweatshirt, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah. Make sense? Because if you put something on, that thing can't get in there. But if you don't, it can come back. Sorry, we're recording tonight. So that's why we have a mic, which I forgot about. So, what you guys need to be doing too is in James 1, 2 through 5. Somebody want to read that for us? Go ahead. Yeah.
mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So, we need to ask wisdom. We need, I mean, you guys don't know where to go, or you don't know how to start your Christian walk, or you don't know what to do next. Pray for wisdom. God says pray for wisdom if you lack. And obviously we all lack somewhere. We all, we all need direction somewhere. Well, I don't know where my future is going. Or I don't know if I should be in a relationship with this person. Or I don't know if I should take this job. You know? I don't know. I don't know. God says ask. And then wait. Wait. Be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 46.10. Just be quiet and just search the scripture and let God reveal it to you. But guys, we have to remember, again, like I said, this week we're going to build people up. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to tear some people down. We're going to really focus on not gossiping, okay? We're going to really focus on just building people up. Like the saying goes, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it about anybody. Don't say anything at all. So let's build somebody up. And if you guys memorize this verse, which is on the front of my truck, I didn't have it memorized. Galatians 2.20, which is incredible. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what I want you guys to do too, is either keep reading this verse, or memorize it. And that's Ephesians 4.29. That's our, that's our theme verse about um, let, no corrupt, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good... For necessary edification, that's the main part. I want you guys to go home and I want you to read that verse. I'll spend five minutes. Five minutes. As much time as you did in your daily bit. Five minutes. Just that one verse to say. Ephesians 4.29. I can't see who said that. Back there. Sorry. Ephesians 4.29. Okay, guys? So, that's what we're going to do. I appreciate you guys being here this week. I know we kind of went a detour. We didn't talk very much about gossip. The one thing that, the one thing that was cool about one of the daily breads, the day that you had, that no, that about Daniel. Oh, I was like, I know it's up there. No, but Daniel, Dan, all right, bring it in, bring it in, guys, bring it in. Uh, Daniel, when he gets accused, you'd think, man, I can't believe those so and sos. Those guys. Went and tricked the king. How many of us would do that? Like, right nature, be like, man, that guy just said something behind my back. I'm going to go get him. I know I would. That would be my first thought. But you know what Daniel does? Instead of cursing those people or, or saying anything bad or, or even going to those people or slandering them, he goes right to his room. He bows down and he prays with his windows open. And he gives thanks to God. He gives thanks to God. Let's think about that, guys. Let's think about that. Um, hey, guys. Just wanted to thank you guys for being with us for this podcast of Camouflage Week 2, Camouflage Speech. And we hope that you guys come back next week. Hope you guys enjoy and come to consume Sundays at 6. Hope to see you there. Thanks.